Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. The email, Pete at the Pete com and on Twitter at Pete Calliner. Um, so, yeah, so the new superintendent for Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools is going to be the current superintendent for Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, the interim, Crystal Hill, I think. Yeah, it's uh, WBT News reporting. She is the interim. She will become the uh, the permanent. And I think I have, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, so as I understand it, I'm looking here. This, this appears to be some breaking news getting her. She just approved some uh, some overtime for selected managers. And, no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. No. No, look, she, she has more experience than Ernest Winston had. I don't see the problem here. And remember, she, she did all that work uh, addressing the sex assaults that were occurring all over the place in, in the schools, right? She was going to spearhead that effort. And she did, I mean, I think she, yeah, I mean, I think she fixed it, right? I mean, now there's a federal investigation that's being launched over the handling of the cases. But I think that, I mean, I mean she did get it off the plate for CMS, I mean, it's on the Fed's plate now, but she did get it off the school district's plate. So, bang up work there. They're going to be doing a uh, emergency meeting tomorrow, where I guess they're going to vote on hiring her. So, congrats uh, to Crystal Hill. This is one of the things when people are always complaining about um, superintendents or. City managers, county managers, that type of position, right? Um, and they they hate the one that's in there, and they want a new one. And I'll never forget Jim Puckett, the former county commissioner uh, for Me- in Mecklenburg, north uh, uh, the northern part of Mecklenburg. And he said, "You, know, you got to be careful with this stuff because you're you know chances are you're going to get somebody in there that's that's worse than the current one." It's and ever since I heard that. I just kind of watch these the, the people that come through the positions, and I feel like it's just been a constant degrading. You know, just this, I don't know. Like, they're just not as good. Just over time, they get worse and worse and worse, you know? That's it's what it feels like. I don't know. It's just, it, that's, that's what it feels like. We're getting some voter ID. Thank you, Supreme Court. The uh, State Board of Elections put out 10 facts about North Carolina's photo ID requirement for voting because it's going to start this year. Going to have to have an ID to start voting. Uh, now, it, all right, so it's 2023, so this is like municipal elections, uh, which is good. Smaller races, you know, going to have uh, you know better opportunity to work out the kinks before the big 2024 presidential election, so that's good. A uh, couple of things to keep in mind. Voters without an ID can get a no-fee ID card. Free. So you get a free ID if you don't have a driver's license. You don't have an ID. Um, and you'll soon be able to get one for free at your local county board of elections. 
So you don't even need to go to the DMV. You can go to the Board of Elections. I don't know. Is that a be- I don't know if that's a net positive. <laughs> no, I think it, I think it is. Maybe I think it is. Um, the state board is also developing a process for approving student and public employee IDs for voting. Stu- so there you go. So they got to figure out how to, you know, shore it up, make sure that uh, uh, kids on the campus aren't, you know, printing fake voter IDs. I guess, but. Uh, yeah, they're gonna they're they're coming up with this process for approving student IDs and public employee IDs. So if you work for the city of Charlotte, you get your little name badge and you get to present that. What else? Um, State board is developing a process. I right, did that one. Um, lists will be added to the voter ID website as soon as IDs are approved. When a voter checks in to vote at a polling place, they're going to be asked to show an acceptable photo ID. Election workers check to see if the picture on the ID reasonably resembles the voter. The address on the photo ID does not have to match the. What? The address on the photo ID does not have to match the voter registration records. What are we even doing with this? What? Do they realize we have a residency based system? Right. That's the whole point. Of the ID, it's to see that you are the person and you live at the address on the license because that's where you should be voting. But it doesn't have to match. Huh. I mean, I knew we had passed one of the most liberal voter ID laws in America, but I was not aware that you that the photo ID does not even need to have the same address. Hmm. Seems like a loophole. All voters will be allowed to vote with or without a photo ID. See, so it's totally mandatory, but not. Right. If the voter shows up and does not have an acceptable ID, which I don't know how you don't have an acceptable ID, considering all of the various IDs that are acceptable, but whatever. You show up and you're like, I don't know, who am I? Right. And I have no ID just wandering the streets looking for a warm place to walk into. Oh, hey, there's an election going on. Sure, I'll vote. Okay, so you don't have an acceptable ID. You can still vote if you fill out a form. It's called an ID exception form. And then you cast what's called a provisional ballot. And then, so that's one way, or you can just do the provisional ballot and then show up at the County Board of Elections office with your photo ID within like 10 days before the canvas. It's what it's called 10 days later. So you have 10 days to then show back up. So if like you have an ID, but you're like, oh, I totally left it in my other pants. You know, oh, I left it in the car and someone stole my car. Whatever. You don't have the ID on you, but you can you can get it. Then you could just fill out a provisional ballot and then show back up and do what they call is cure the ballot. You would cure your your ballot deficiency and you would show them the ID. Okay, good. Now we'll count your provisional ballot. So keep in mind, folks, there may be a very large number of provisional ballots that will have to be counted 10 days after the election. So you could end up seeing a lot of votes cast and that could impact the outcome of races. I don't know if it will. I'm just putting that on your radar so you're aware of it. And so when 
you get these, you know, counts 10 days later, you're like, what happened? I thought I won. And now people are saying it's all rigged. It may not be rigged. It may just be people not voting with IDs that then show up afterwards and say, here's my ID. And so they they should have been able to vote had they brought the ID on Election Day itself. Okay, Uh, what else? Permitted exceptions include the following. The voter has a reasonable impediment to showing photo ID, such as a lack of transportation, lost or stolen ID, disability or illness, family responsibilities, etc., etc. The voter has a religious objection, maybe, to being photographed. Or maybe the voter was a victim of a natural disaster, uh, like within a, a 100 days of the election. And so you lost your ID. It, it, it got sucked up in a tornado. So it's gone. These are all permitted exceptions. Also, when a registered voter cannot produce a photo ID, the County Board of Elections must count that ballot if the voter properly completes the exception form or brings the ID to the county board within 10 days. Okay, so they got to count it. And finally, voters who vote by mail will be asked to include a photocopy of an acceptable ID inside the photo ID envelope that comes with your ballot. If you are unable to include a photocopy of your ID, then you may complete the ID exception form with the absentee ballot and send it all together. Photo ID is not required for military or overseas voters who vote using special absentee voting procedures that federal law makes available for them. Okay, there you go. These are the rules now for the uh, photo ID, voter ID in North Carolina starting this election cycle. It's been a long road, took about a decade, lots and lots of lawsuits, lots and lots of rich lawyers now, but we're finally going to have a baby step towards election integrity. Give yourselves a hand there, North Carolina. Give it up. Yeah. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Alrighty, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The North Carolina Senate voting on its budget. Two-year budget measure reached the chamber floor for debate less than 48 hours after it was unveiled. Uh, These are two-year budgets that they do. And it got bipartisan support, even though nearly all of the proposed amendments from Democrats got shot down. Um, It was a 36 to 13 vote, so it is a bipartisan vote. Once the bill is given one more vote on the Senate uh, floor... And I think if it hasn't already happened, it's going to happen today. I think they're scheduled, uh, they've scheduled it for uh, state senators will then begin to negotiate and compromise on their budget with the House. The House did its own budget plan last month. And so I don't really go into too many uh, details on these preliminary budgets because that, what they do is they, the leadership 
the Republican leadership in both chambers, like they work together on creating a number. And then they both go back to their chambers and they work on uh, making, you know, their priorities fit under that number. And then they unveil their plans and then they come back and they hammer out the details in a such like a conference committee uh, style format. So that's where this is going to head. So, okay, they're they're both spending the same amount of money. It's twenty nine point eight billion dollars for the next year. And then the following year, it's just shy of thirty one billion dollars. Um, that does not include billions for reserves, capital expenditures and disaster relief, according to the AP story by Gary Robertson. The House plan would provide higher pay raises for teachers and -and rank-and-file state employees. Uh, For example, average teacher pay would increase by 10.2% over two years in the House's plan, but the Senate's plan, it's just 4.5%. Governor Roy Cooper, do you want to take a guess what his opinion is? That's right. He blasted the Senate measure. He is not happy with the Senate plan. I mean, he blasted the House plan, too. He, he He's never happy. I mean, he does have a different philosophy. It's a, a philosophy of see a penny, spend a penny. So every single cent that comes into the government coffers, he wants to spend. And uh, preferably for ongoing expenses. He wants to commit the state to uh, to further spending down the road. It's never like one-time things. It's always ongoing expenses. Like, oh, we got some one-time money. Cool. Let's use it for ongoing costs. Well, no, then you're going to have a structural deficit, which is precisely what Cooper and his Democratic uh, uh, colleagues gave us when he was in charge of the state Senate and uh, they were in charge of the state government. We had multi-billion dollar budget shortfalls, structural deficits that Republicans have fixed. All right, so he blasted the measure. He calls it a, quote, historic disaster for public education. Okay. All right, something else to keep in mind. Roy Cooper was among the leftists who, when the Republicans took over and started enacting their tax reforms, which, by the way, Democrats used to say they wanted to reform the tax code, but they could never get around to doing it. Republicans actually did it, and Democrats like Cooper said that this was going to destroy the state. It would leave us in economic ruin. And they were wrong. They were very, very wrong. In fact, quite the opposite occurred. So take his lamentations, you know, with the grain of salt. Um, He says under the bill, uh, under the, the Senate's plan, many teachers with at least 15 years of experience would only receive $250 in raises over two years. Okay, again... Don't know what they're going to come up with as the final number. They're pretty far away on it. The House says 10%. The Senate says 4.5%. Did they land someplace in the middle? The Senate plan says overall state education spending grows. It comprises 58% of the overall state budget. So when you hear people say, we really need to prioritize education in North Carolina. Yeah, we do. It's, It's number one, actually. And it has been. It has been number one for 20 years. It is the biggest. Well, here you go. Hang on. I have the card right here. Let's see. Total education spending. This was from 21-22. 60%. 
That's total education spending. Uh, they've said that teacher pay. They emphasize that the base salary for first-year teachers um, has gone up almost 11% over two years. It's going to be 41 k in the 24-25 school year. You start off, first-year teacher, no experience, $41,000 a year. Is that good? I think that's pretty good. That's not bad. No experience, first year on the job, 41 k plus the benefits? I think that's pretty good. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? So Roy Cooper is in a poor position to influence the Senate budget plan since Republicans now hold veto-proof majorities in both chambers. And the Medicaid expansion law that he sought for years and signed in March requires separate passage of the state budget before more low-income adults can obtain health care coverage. Associated Press reporting, that gives... Republicans the upper hand to load the budget up with things that Cooper dislikes, but not too many. So I will add that. I add that last part. Not too many. You can't go crazy here. If you go too crazy, then, you know, Cooper has, he has shown a willingness, right, to veto things that he agrees with. He doesn't pay any price for it. He'll veto this stuff like he vetoed teacher pay raises because he wanted Medicaid expansion. He tried to hold them hostage. Didn't work. He never got blamed for that. He kept attacking Republicans for not expanding Medicaid, and they kept saying, you know, you vetoed teacher pay raises, and he never suffered for that at the polls. The media never highlights that fact because they, they see the nuance there. You know, they recognize the position he got put in. He got jammed up. Seven... Democrats signed on to the plan. Seven Democrats out of 20 in the Senate joined every Republican in voting for the measure. Uh, The Senate plan also lowers the individual income tax rate. They drop it from uh, 4.75% down to 3.99%. And that would happen in the year 2025, not 2027, Uh, which is the current state law. So, like, Republicans came in and they said, we're going to keep reducing the personal income tax rate until we get to a point where, well, some of them want it at zero. But they they set this course, and it's going to, you know, unfold over the course of several years because you don't want to, you don't want to shock the system. And so you want to do it over time, make sure that, you know, you got revenues coming in, you're funding things that need to be funded, you got the rainy day fund. They're putting money in that. They've got uh, an inflationary uh, reserve fund as well to combat inflation. Um, thanks, Joe Biden. The stabilization and inflationary reserve is what it's called. 
Uh, that's now going to be uh, $1.9 billion. This is according to the Senate plan. Rainy day fund balance, uh, $5 billion. Cut taxes, as I mentioned. Um, what else? $17 billion to be spent on education. $17 billion on education. They're going to hire around 120 more nurses, counselors, social workers, and psychologists in K-12 schools. Let's see what else here. Just giving you some highlights, not all of it. Um, Salaries. State employees would receive a 5% pay raise over the two years. Teachers will get a 4.5% pay raise over the two years. Uh, But starting teacher pay will increase by 11% over the same period. So they're front-loading salaries. So the average teacher pay under this plan, the average teacher pay would be $59,121, average teacher pay. That is above, sorry, they say just under the North Carolina median household income. So it's, it, it, it's just under, they say. I don't know what, I don't know what number they're using there because historically it's always been above. So it's but pretty close. So one teacher pay, the average teacher pay, again, that's average, but the median household income, roughly the same. Nursing f- uh, faculty, rather, at community colleges and the UNC system will get a minimum 10% salary increase. Highway Patrol, SBI, alcohol and law, uh, alcohol law enforcement, rather, will get a 12% pay raise. Uh, Medicaid expansion. Uh, they're going to get $1.5 billion from the feds. Non-recurring money. Uh, they, they're, they're touting their certificate of need reform, but not all of it. They didn't completely get rid of it. Um, provides 15 million each year for, uh, due to free and charitable clinics to provide care to low income families and individuals across the state. Uh, some other items It expands the post-election audit report to include a summary and detailed description of the results and information on any items that could have affected the outcome of the election. It includes an additional $35 million for the school safety grant program. All right, so when you hear, Republicans don't want to do anything about school safety, they're putting another $35 million for school grants, school safety grants. Maybe we could buy some more clear backpacks in Charlotte. Um, it includes an increase in funding for anonymous tip lines, uh, for the yeah, anonymous tip line which facilitates anonymous reporting of school safety threats. Is that with a see something, say something line or something? Um, it'll set aside $20 million non-recurring for over the biennium for the North Carolina Housing Trust Fund to provide housing for homeless veterans, victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking. And finally, <clears throat> my favorite, my favorite part of the Senate proposal, a 20% pay raise for Governor Cooper. I mean, he has earned it, right? He just got us through that pandemic, right? Doing all of the news conferences. He's got to put up with the Republican supermajority. So it's the least that the Republicans can do is bring his total pay to nearly 200 k a year. Colin Campbell, writing for the public radio station up in Raleigh, says it's an odd move for the GOP, given that the current governor is a Democrat. Other statewide elected officials, including the lieutenant governor, attorney general, and state treasurer, 
would also get raises much larger than rank-and-file government workers, which almost makes me wonder if this is the reason why. There are 10 Council of State seats, and Republicans hold six of them. So are they trying to give pay raises to all of those people so that, you know, they got to give it to the governor, too, in order to give it to all of the other offices? I don't know. They would get raises of 7.5% next year, plus an additional 7.5% the following year, bringing their annual salaries to $168,000. Senate leader Phil Berger defended the raises for the top leaders. He says budget writers compared salaries with similar positions in other states, and North Carolina is an outlier on state leader salaries. Uh, He says it's all about some sort of reasonable parity. Now, the senators did not give themselves a big fat pay raise. They're going to keep their roughly $14,000 a year salary. The House budget, though, has much smaller raises for the governor and state leaders. So uh, we shall see what happens in the uh, in the hammering out of uh, compromise between the House and Senate on this. All right, next up, I've got a uh, I got a clip here. You're going to want to hear it of Daniel Goldman and um, and Julio Rosas, which uh, he's a town hall writer. It does not go well for the congressman from New York. So. New York Congressman Dan Goldman, uh, he exemplified his party's self-professed respect for the sanctity of the Fourth Estate during a House Homeland Security subcommittee hearing Tuesday. Now, I may may be uh, dating myself here, but I'm old enough to remember when media people and Democrats, but I repeat myself, were very, very concerned, trademarked, about... Attacks against the press. They were literally attacks against our democracy, right? How dare you attack the press? They're like they're like the troops storming the beaches of Normandy. They're like firefighters running into the, the burning building of our democracy to extinguish the flames of Orange Man, right? That's the that that was I mean, I go I know it was a while ago. People probably don't remember. But there was this huge sentiment of support for journalists. But how far the Democratic Party has come, where Daniel Goldman from New York just savages, just goes after a journalist by the name of uh, Julio Rosas, who works at townhall.com. And Julio uh, spent a lot of time during the mostly peaceful but sometimes fiery protests during the Summer of Love, he went to all these different cities and documented what was going on. And Congressman Dan Goldman did not like that very much. You're trying to get us uh, gaslight us up here as if Antifa, which Mr. Rosas, apparently the expert now in organized terrorist activity, has overruled the FBI director who says, there's a headline, says Antifa is an ideology, not an organization. No, no, no. Let's not listen to the FBI director. Let's listen to, sorry, what's your your title? Senior writer at Town Hall who is going to tell us that the FBI director is wrong. And I'd like to yes. introduce, there's no question. I think it's funny to be, to be lectured by... Okay, hang on a second. 
So this is a this video is a it's a mashup, right? So that was Goldman. That was Goldman saying you're trying to gaslight us. Oh, you you think you're overruling the FBI director? The FBI director said that it's a uh, it's an ideology, not an uh, it's not an organization. But we should listen to you, and he's wrong. And you heard Rosa say yes, and that prompted Goldman to say there wasn't a question because he didn't want to ask a question. He didn't want Rosas to respond. So a Republican member of the subcommittee then says to Rosas, when he has his time, he's like, hey, do you want to respond to Goldman? And Rosas says, well, yes, I would. And this is what he said. To be lectured by an heir to the Levi Strauss uh, Corporation. And and honestly, that's probably why he uh, doesn't consider property damage to be that big of a deal, because not only does he have that, but he also has uh, what some would describe an impossibly good stock portfolio. Oh, my gosh. So he rips him from being the heir to the Levi Strauss fortune, right? And and some whiz kid when it comes to making stock market trades. That he an impossibly good, right? Impossibly good stock market portfolio. What is it what is he basically accusing him of? Insider trading, right? Taking advantage of information that if you or I did, we would be thrown in jail. We would be we would run afoul of SEC rules for that. Um, but what I can tell you is that in these riots that happened uh, three years ago, they, uh, yes, big corporations uh, did suffer damage and looting, such as Target, that, that would happen in Minneapolis. Uh, but a lot of the businesses, they were small businesses. They didn't come from multi-million dollar uh, families or, or corporations. And so uh, the, the fact that they had to uh, not only deal with the completely unnecessary uh, COVID restrictions that were happening during that time. So the, their their bottom line was already being hit by that. But then when you add on now having to replace lost inventory or to repair damage, or in some cases be completely, uh, you know, lose your entire business uh, that happened to a family that I know in Kenosha. Um, the, when, when you take, I mean, you're taking away people's ability to, to live, to livelihood. A friend of mine, said that uh, taking away someone's job like that is just a, ha- a baby step away from murdering them because how else are they support to, supposed to support themselves? I'm not going to issue that. So I, I, I think uh, it was absolutely disgraceful for uh, Congressman Goldman to try to just denigrate my, my title because it's not just a title. I, I've earned it because I was there chewing the dirt uh, in these dangerous situations. I didn't see him in any of those places. Uh, I was there in New York covering, uh, uh, New York City covering uh, some pretty violent protests there. And I'm also not just uh, a writer, but I served honorably in the Marine Corps Reserves. Uh, and I was very proud of that. And so uh, that's just typical elitist uh, thinking. And uh, that's why a lot of people hate Washington, D.C. And honestly, I, I don't blame them. <laughs> it's just a brilliant takedown. Yeah, this guy Goldman, he's, he's trying to dismiss all of the reporting that Rosas did. And what did he try to do? How did he try to do it? By citing the FBI director's comments. What did the FBI director, Christopher Ray? what did he actually say? Back in September 2020, during the summer of love, the fiery but mostly peaceful uh, riots, he, he was talking about Antifa, and he said it's not a group or an organization. He said, uh, uh, you know, violent anarchist extremists, some of whom identify with Antifa, it's a movement or an ideology. And as Noah Rothman writes at National Review, that is not supposed to be a source of comfort, right? And this is what prompted others to say, oh, it's an idea. It's just an idea. Like Joe Biden during the debate and everybody mocked him for it because he 
was mangling what Ray had said, right? Now, right, Antifa isn't an organization in the sense that it has finances that you can track and freeze, leaders that can be monitored or co-opted, structures that can be infiltrated and disrupted, right? It's a violent idea in the ether which renders its menace not less but more threatening because so many of the avenues that might allow proactive policing of the loose affiliation of miscreants, right, they, they are legally closed off to you. Right? That's what makes it difficult. It wasn't supposed it wasn't a dismissal of the threat, as Goldman tried to uh, tried to indicate. All right, up next, Tyler Voigt from Americans for Prosperity will join us, plus a kind of awkward, cringy exchange on the floor of the General Assembly. <laughs> 